train at peace on so you're ready for war. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to episode 74 of the Military Veteran Dad. I am your host, Ben Colloy, and if this is your first time listening, you picked an excellent episode to drop in and see what we are doing here on the Military Veteran Dad. Be sure on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on that you hit that subscribe button because we don't just launch one show a week. We launch two shows a week. We have the interview show on Monday where it's a dad, an expert, someone that has value to teach other dads. But on Friday, we have Fatherhood Friday where it's just me and the microphone sharing some lesson that's on my heart, maybe a feeling that's on my heart, a perspective, a story that I've had in my life that's helped me become a better dad, or maybe it's just a moment where I fell down and I had to learn how to pick myself back up. So be sure to hit that subscribe button because those two episodes can really change your week because that Monday we're going to inspire you to step into your week. And on Friday, we're going to help give you that closure to give you that excitement and energy to go into the weekend and be a good dad. And that's the feedback that I get that that Friday is that just push that the people need to get into the weekend. It's that kind of like last minute, minute momentum that they need to step in to be an awesome dad. Today's episode with Remy Adeliki is going to transform you. And there's a couple puns intended there because Remy starred and acted in Transformers movie directed by Michael Bay. He was inspired to be a Navy SEAL by the movie The Rock, which was also directed by Michael Bay. He is the author of an amazing book called Transform. There'll be a copy of that in the show notes if you want to click the link there for Amazon. And if you have been listening to the podcast for a little bit, you know that I've been kind of under my own transformation. And this book is what helped ignite that. And if you want to hear more about how that book has helped me, stay tuned at the end of this episode because I'm going to be back on the microphone to share a little bit about how that book has helped me and also a little bit about how I want to help you move forward in your life to be a better dad. So without further ado, let's get started with Remy Adeliki, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the podcast, Remy. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I just wrapped up your book a few weeks ago, and I kind of kicked myself because it sat on my shelf for almost two months. And then when Corona <laughs> hit, I was like, I'm going to make sure I can cement a, a, uh, a reading habit in the morning during this time. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to start with his yeah. book. And your book, it just, oh, it hit me really hard right square in the chest for what I wasn't, I was holding back myself on. And then also just like the story and the growth that you were able to experience through your story. Like that was just an incredible version of all that. So I really appreciate you putting yourself out there. I know that was a little bit hard. You put, you write in the book that you almost didn't make it. And I can imagine like that it's probably like a crazy thought looking back now, like how did I not almost do this? So I really appreciate you writing it and I'm appreciate you coming on the show. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about what your family looks like right now and a little bit about your story. Yeah, so I, uh, uh, my family right now is, uh, you know, I'm married, been married for going on nine years. Um, I've got three sons, um, Kate and Caitlin Carter. My oldest is six. My middle is going to be five in June. And then my uh, youngest is one year, is, is a year old. And then my wife is pregnant with our, uh, with our fourth child, which is going to be finally be a girl. Um, 
Congratulations. Life will never be the same when you have a daughter. Yeah, that's what I hear. (laughs) And so I got that. And my wife, she works as well. She's a doctor. And uh, and then, you know, me, I'm a writer. That's my primary job. I'm not a Navy SEAL anymore. That was my old job. But, you know, I'm a writer. Um, I'm I'm, I'm a speaker. And uh, I do do corporate and uh, consulting as well as athletic consulting, but I'm a filmmaker as well. So most of the majority of the projects that I work on now uh, have to do in the film and TV space uh, as, you know, either consulting on a project um, to bring that authenticity to it. Um, acting, <laughs> you know, acting in Transformers, acting in uh, film on Netflix called Six Underground, um, or um, or you know now writing films and TV shows. I just got hired um, this week to uh, adapt a, a book into a limited series. So um, you know, I would consider myself more, you know, as a writer, you know, a writer filmmaker. Um, so that's what I'm at today. When's your daughter going to be born? October. October. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a crazy world for it. I can imagine after reading your book, like it'll be a surreal moment when you hold your daughter in your in your hands because yeah. of the impact that women had in your life and Absolutely. your ability to shepherd this your daughter through her life. It, it, it's, yeah. it's a real feeling when you recognize the power of what you have. Like I just saw a meme the other day, like to a son you want to be their first hero, and to a daughter you want to be their first love. Yeah, amen. That's a good one right there. <laughs> I agree. How do you have any girls? How many girls do you have? I have two girls. I have, uh, she's eight years old and three, and yeah. then I have a son right in the middle. Oh, nice. 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 So you already know the deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. I already know the yeah. deal, the wild string yeah. relations, and uh, yeah. I was also the middle child, so I had an older sister, yeah. younger sister, so I know how to empathize with my son who doesn't have yeah. a brother, yeah. but he's got friends in the neighborhood he's been playing with. Uh, but yeah, life... Life as a dad is something that, like, I'm sure is is your your story. Like, the last thing yeah. that was on your mind probably was was being a father. Like, you don't actually talk yeah. about it that much until towards the end of like, yeah. like, idea of starting a family wasn't even like a, a checkbox for you that you were worried about filling yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. It was never a thought to me. It was never one of those things where I was like. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't think I could have a family. I would say it was more so because I was just so busy with my career in the military and, you know, you know, you know, my story. So, you know, going through all the things that I, I went through to, to eventually become a SEAL, um, that was like at the forefront. And then after I became a SEAL, the most important thing to me were the guys around me and getting the job done. And so, you know, uh, it was, you know, it wasn't until towards the end of my career, um, when my first son was born that, you know, I was just like, oh, wow, I, I'm having a family. This is real. This is actually this is happening. happening. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, my first son, love him to death. You know, he's, you know, he made father and, uh, and you know, then my second son came along. And uh, that's when I was just like, you know what? I got a family now. I got responsibilities. Um, I'd rather be home with my kids more than, than, you know, be away. So that's when I got out. And it wasn't something I realized when I first started this podcast for military dads, but I learned it through that, that the one Mm -hmm. word that really we don't use enough in the military is legacy. And we often think that the military service is our legacy, but our family Mm -hmm. is our legacy. And we get that backwards. And even if we get out, we often don't switch that. Like, especially if you lost a friend, like common thing that people run into in the dad world, the military is they lose a friend and all they can think about is why did I survive? And he died. But and they forget the family that they still have and that like your family yeah. continues to still need you 
despite yeah. the sadness that entered your life. Yeah. And that legacy is so powerful when you recognize that like, this is my next mission. No, absolutely. hundred percent. At the end of the day, for me, just because, you know, for myself, you know, I did 13 and a half years in the military. Um, and I'm 30, I'm going to be 38 this year. So you want to do the math. The majority of my life has been outside of the military. So, you know, it's not what defines me. Um, it's not who I am anymore. It's, you know, I was a veteran. I am a veteran and I was in the military, but, you know, my legacy, you're right, is my kids, you know, um, and, and, and pretty much what I leave to them. So that's, that's why I do everything that I do right now and work as hard as I work and stay up late nights and write and, and just work, you know, the way I work is because I'm trying to make sure that my kids, you know, they, I set the tone for them. Like, you know, I kind of give them the blueprint um, that my mother kind of gave me as a young kid. You know, she instilled in me the ports of hard work. Whatever you do, you do it right the first time. You do it with excellence. You know, you don't cut corners. That was essentially, you know, that was the second, that had eventually become second nature to me because that's what I saw in my mother, you know, with all the hard work that she put into to provide for my brother and I. So just as that has become second nature to me, my goal is to leave that, legacy so to speak for my kids so that um they know hey you know if i put in the work i could achieve my dreams you know and kobe bryant perfect like this is i I got a lot of hope when kobe bryant passed because as he passed what people remembered him for was wasn't being a basketball player they remembered him for being a father that was what everybody like the the daddy dad girl hashtag that went viral like and that was kind of the cement like okay i think we might be finally getting at that what you do on this earth is important, but what you leave on this earth is 10 times more valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause you can't take anything when you leave this earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the, but the bones and the, and the skin is going to dry up anyway. So um, at the end of the day, all you can leave is a legacy, lessons, principles, inspiration, motivation, education. That's all you can leave. And so that's my goal, not just for my kids, but, you know, I kind of, you know how I open up my book, my dedication is not just to my kids, but to my grandkids, it's to every future Adelaide generation. Yeah. You know, um, I want to leave lessons for them. Uh, but then I, the book is not just published and, 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 and shared with just the Adelaide family as you can have experience to share with the world. So, you know, I wanted to be able to leave lessons for whoever would be willing to pick up the book and read it. And, you know, I wanted them to be able to say, you know what, this guy changed dramatically. You know, I can change dramatically. I don't have to allow my current situation to dictate the rest of my life. So, you know, I hope that that legacy that I kind of put in a book will, you know, inspire so many people outside of my family as well. And if something happened to you, unfortunately, you're, you left a blueprint for how your kids could connect to you later in life. Like if you have the chance to, to shepherd them in to be adults like they have a blueprint of how to, to be more like their dad and how to, yeah. to enter their world a little bit. And that, that's yeah. legacy. Like when you can help gift your kids that blueprint of how to, to live their life fully, like that's the, and the, your story is so rich with depth. And that's what I love about military dads is we have such a, a rich yeah. story of adventure, experiences, travel. Like if we can gift mm. half of our experiences and stories to our kids, like that's going to make them that much more stronger, resilient, and even just more confident in who they are to go out into the world Absolutely. and figure out how they fit into it. Absolutely. Like if you can shortcut some of the lessons from your life and make sure your kids don't have to fall down some of those same stairs, like 
Like that can literally change a family tree forever and create generational <laughs> change forever. Yeah, and that's why I wrote. That's why my kids have no excuse. <laughs> you know, my, my my kids have no excuse. You know, and that's something I tell my wife all the time. My wife like, ah, oh, yeah, like, nope. They don't have any excuse to say, well, I'm a thug or I'm a gangster on this and that. They ain't got no excuse to say I can't make because they got blueprint. You know what I mean? Uh, it's all laid out for them. You know, have resources. You know what I mean? So many resources that I didn't have. As a matter of fact, their college is already paid for. You know, my daughter hasn't even been born yet, and her college is paid for because of the type of scholarships that they have. And so it's just one of those things where my kids have no excuses at all. <laughs> you actually, speaking that about- That could be like, a good thing, but that could be a bad thing too. <laughs> it could be a bad thing, yeah. I was just connecting with, you were speaking about legacy, and the story of your dad trying to create that uh, complex on that island, and that really, he <laughs> wanted that to be the shining light for Nigeria. And it's kind of interesting, through his passing and your life, you're actually creating a stronger global legacy that Adeliki is known for something globally bigger than one building in Nigeria. Absolutely. And like, yeah. The whole no, idea of what you can do now is, is even 10 times more bigger than what he ever imagined. Yeah. And that's like, you don't know it when it's all happening, but as you look back, like your legacy is 10 times stronger than what he was trying to achieve in Nigeria. No, I agree 100%. It's funny, I was thinking about that as I, you know, as I was getting towards the end of the book because it was like my dad, and, and you know, just to kind of clarify, it wasn't a building, it was an island. <laughs> it so was my dad island. was building an, an island and buildings were going to go on. Yeah. Uh, and that island still exists to this day, Banana Island. But, uh, but yeah, as I was getting to the end of the book, you know, one thing that really, I, I mentioned this in the book too, you know, in the last chapter when I tell a story when I'm on a plane flying in Nigeria, you know, the guy who I sat next to, he didn't know who my dad was. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, my dad, you know, he accomplished this great feat uh, in the world by creating one of the first man-made islands in the world, but nobody knows his name. You know what I mean? But here I am, his son, and I'm writing this story in this book, which is going to probably go all over the world. And now, because of this book and my story and what I've done, and the fact that I never gave up, because if I gave up at any point in my life I want to be I want to have got to the point to have a book I want to be where I'm at today but because of this book and my life now the world will now know his, my dad's name and know what he did so you're 100% right you know it, I've been able to kind of redeem uh, my father's past in a sense and, uh, and kind of do what he, he set out to do he set out to essentially you know create something that would change the narrative as it related to, to uh, not, not just nigerians but africans in general and i think that the position that i've been in um especially in the last few years has, has given me that opportunity to, to change that narrative and, and show people all over the world that that you know nigerians and africans aren't a bunch of uneducated wild bush people but we're highly intelligent people uh with skill sets to to create and do amazing things in this world I love all of that. And it, 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 the one part that was really the, like interesting, like as far as like the perspective, when you realized that the person that inspired you to be a Navy SEAL from the rock movie, and then you were yeah. starring in that movie in the Transformers, yeah. you uh -huh. had to reflect back and you're like, this is almost how it had to always work out. Like because of the serendipity in that moment, like, I mean, you weren't actually yeah. looking to star in those movies. You weren't looking no, no. to find that path. Yeah. And when you did, and that's the path that ignited the path that you were on, yeah. it, you realize that like this could have been just the path that your, is your family's legacy and how it needed to be created. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely, that's why, you know, faith is a big thing to me too, but, you know, because I'm just like, there's no way, you know, things could have just happened the way they happened, like out of the blue, you know, it had to be some type of providence and, you know, uh, you know, a divine intervention because, you know, the odds of somebody calling me one day and saying, hey, I want you to be in a movie uh, by a director whose first two movies inspired me to be a SEAL, that doesn't happen. You know, that doesn't happen, you know, and acting and acting was nowhere near anywhere on my radar at all. And period. you were even you avoiding know, like, it. Like you were like, I am not an actor. I stop labeling me one. Yeah. 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 And I was in grad school getting my master's so that I could, you know, continue to do what I was doing in my my, my corporation, my consulting firm. And uh, and, you know, I got the phone call. So, yeah, it all came together. And, uh, you know, I was open to the opportunity. I think that that's another thing. That's another thing I try to tell people all the time is that, you know, you got to be open to opportunities, even if it's something that that you don't you've never imagined yourself doing i never imagined myself being an actor period like mm-hmm. you know, i mean i'm sure as a kid you have those dreams i'm gonna be a big fan of that i want to consider myself a famous actor and this like you know my instagram I, I don't have it as actor i have occasional actor because i'm not I don't, i'm not an actor i'm an occasional actor i don't go on auditions you're a great actor on acting stuff yeah I'll, yeah exactly <laughs> only time i'm in acting is when somebody calls me up and says want to be in this project and I'm like sure but I'm not out there pursuing it and, you know I say all that to say you know I I've been open to the opportunity I've been open to say yeah you know what this is something that's outside of my comfort zone something I'm not used to but I'm gonna try it and see where it goes and you know it's it's worked out really really well for me and it's worked out for me not just it's where I really found my gift in writing and creating like I found my I found my passion in doing something that I wasn't passionate about. Um, once I got on a movie set and I began to learn how a movie set works, and I got on a TV set and another movie set, and I saw you know the power of storytelling from behind the scenes, and you know just how you can have so many opportunities to create story and produce story. I was just like, you know what, acting is great, and I'll continue to do that if the doors open, but. This is, I'm a businessman at heart. I'm, I want to be behind the scenes. I want to be negotiating deals. I want to be creating content and getting it there. Like I want to be there versus being in front of the camera. So I want to take maybe a different, so there's been one question that I was, uh, that I've, I've gotten used to asking a lot of military dads and I was reading your story and generally in the military, we're, we are either running from something or running to something. And I felt like you were running from something in those early years when you joined the Navy SEALs. Have you kind of unpacked that and figure out like what was it you were running from or what fear was kind of like what you, you were when I left the Navy? When, what, before you, when when, like you were joining in those early years when you joined the Navy, like when you were still maybe having tapped into who you are and to. Yeah, yeah. When I joined the Navy, I mean, I was, uh, I was, I, I was, I was, I was running to something. I was running to a better opportunity a better life because I think I finally came to the realization that the life I had been trying to create for myself I I created it but it was it it was a monster (laughs) and the monster that I created was now coming back to destroy its master (laughs) right and so uh so you know I created this monster and uh, it almost destroyed me it almost you know you read for so you know the things that 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 happened to me that that 
played a huge role in, in me getting out of the, the, the legal activities that I've been involved in and, and eventually making the choice to join the Navy. But it was like, all right, I tried all of these things. None of them has, have, have worked. You know, I'm back to zero. Um, if I don't do something else, I'm going to end up dead or in prison. So I wasn't to something. I ran to a better opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I need to, I need a fresh start. You know, I need to find something that can help me get to untap, to, to, to tap into that potential that I know is there. I just don't know how to find it, you know, and, and the Navy really helped me find that potential. It, it really did. For, for everybody, everybody's different, right? For, for some people, it's traveling the world helps them find the potential, potential within. Going to college helps them find the potential, helps them find their track, what they really would do in life. You know, but for me, it was joining the military really helped me find that. Un- that that untapped potential and say, wow, like I can take a beating. I can run miles. I can swim. I am smart. I am educated. I, I, I can learn more. I can be part of the best. So, you know, I was running to a better opportunity. That's awesome. And so another part that military dads and every veteran kind of goes through is they, they often just assimilate the identity of the uniform because they really don't know who they were before or they feel like a failure or busted or maybe rejected. And so they identify like, okay, I can adopt this identity. And then they go through almost an identity crisis when they take it off. Did you struggle yeah. with any of that identity crisis? Like assuming the role of a Navy SEAL and like having that be who you are, but then also trying to figure out really what that gold was inside that you were trying to pull out? When I got out the military? When you got out or even in, during the time before you kind of had your waking with, uh, with when you were in that church, like, was there any moment where you were trying to struggle identifying who it, Remy was? No, no, never. Cause I, you know, um, no, I, it, you know, cause by the time I was in the teens, I was already, you know, I already had a strong, you know, uh, faith. My faith was already strong when I had, by the time I got to teens. Um, but you know, I knew, I knew, I, I knew, I always knew who I was. You know, I, I always knew in the teens, you know, first and foremost, you know, I'm a child of God. That's the first thing, you know, um, and, you know, and everything else in life is second, you know. And so, um, you know, I know that I'm, I, I just, I knew who I was. And so I never got caught up in, I'm a Navy SEAL and that's my, that's my identity. You know, even now, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, you know, my Instagram says former Navy SEAL. I'm not a Navy SEAL anymore. You know what I mean? Like when I got out of the military, I realized that's not who I am. Like now I'm a husband, now I'm a father, um, first and foremost. And then after that, you know what I mean? Whatever job I take on, then that's that's who I am at the time. You know, like I open up, like I would I don't I consider myself a writer. Like that's who I am now, because that's what I do on a daily basis. Um so I'm not in the military anymore. I'm a veteran, but I'm not in the military anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't had a problem, you know, with identity or holding on to. I'm still a SEAL, and I still got to talk a certain way and act a certain way, and you know, you know, I miss the glory days and all that kind of stuff. I miss the guys that I was around. I mean, if there's anything I miss, I miss the men that I, you know and women that I got to serve and and be around on a daily basis and go do do the job that I was blessed to be able to do, but. Outside of that, man, I'm content with who I am, and I'm content with the life that I have now, and and I'm I'm excited about the future that I have, which is not in the military. Mm-hmm. That you're not that going back to legacy. That your legacy isn't your service. It's just a chapter yeah, of your it's life. Just a chapter. Yeah. 
what advice would you have out there? Cause that identity is something that a lot of dads suffer when they go on the other side. Like they just, they go from Superman to Clark Kent and they lose themselves. Is there yeah. any like talking points or any advice that you give to, for people to dive into that, to find their identity outside of wearing that uniform? I would just say, you know, first thing that comes to mind for me is find something that you're passionate about, find something you know, find something else that you're passionate about. Just like you were passionate about the military, you know, find something else that you're just like, you wake up every morning, it's like, man, I want to do that. Like, I love doing that. I, I can't wait to get to my job, my desk, or wherever it is, you can do that. And for me, that's helped tremendously. Like, every single, like, <laughs> it's funny because there'll be weeks where I won't sleep through the night, and it's not because of stress. It's because I wake up in the middle of the night, and my mind just starts going and I'm excited about what's going to happen the next day. I'm ready to get to my desk. Like it happened last night. Last night I got up at three in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep because I, and, and my mind, and I had my laptop right next to my bed and like I big wanted to like open up my laptop and start writing, you know, start working on something that I needed to get done this morning and sent to my agent. And so that's the main thing that I would say to people, veterans, you know, find, something that you're super passionate about, you know, as, as, as you, something that you are almost as passionate or even more so more passionate than your military service. And for me, it's a few, a few things. First and foremost, it's my family. I'm passionate about my family, you know, life and my kids, my, my kids, like my wife, she works every Wednesday, Thursday, and every other Friday. And so she for work and guess what? It's me and my three sons. You know what I mean? And I'm passionate, but I love those mornings where it's just us three watching <laughs> cartoons and, you know, we're joking around and we're throwing the football, you know, to each other. And, you know, we're, you know, we're listening to music and we're just hanging out. Like, I love that. I'm passionate about that. It makes me forget about, you know, my, any issues that I may have at work. And then, you know, after that, you know, next thing I do when my nanny gets here is I'm, I'm at the gym, I'm working out, you know, here, you know, gyms become my garage, but I'm working out. I'm passionate about working out. I love staying fit. I love being healthy. And then, you know, from there, I'm at my office working. I'm passionate about that. And all of these things that I'm passionate about, it completely makes me forget about the old life that I've had before. You know, it's completely, it makes me completely forget about jumping out of planes with my guys and going on missions and scuba diving and shooting guns and all that other stuff, because, you know, that's not who I was. That's not who I am anymore. <laughs> and you're, you're kind of talking about like finding your next mission a little bit, like find your next purpose. Yeah. Cause that's often yeah. what people talk about. They miss is that purpose, that definition, those clear targets where they needed to go. And mm-hmm. when it's your responsibility to go there, it's up to you to try to find it. And that's often not an easy thing to figure out. And what I love about the way you were framing that is it allows you to step into the best version of yourself. Like, you're literally crafting the best version of every day. And the way that you talked about the mornings, like it's inc- like, that's the, when you realize like the, the passion of fatherhood, like that's an anchor point for a long time that you can continue to anchor yourself, anchor yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. again, that's the, the time you invest in your kids is going to change for years down the road. Like you actually have no idea how all yeah. these little deposits are going to change your life. But that's where a lot of that impact comes from. We talk about in the podcast because so many dads get it backwards that like to simply love your kids is just to give them the gift of your time. Like you yeah, playing yeah. something, some simple game with them when they're at a young age like that. They yeah. just want your presence. They don't really care yeah. what you're doing. It's the stupid things that they'll remember that you did 
together. It wasn't something fancy or Absolutely. expensive. Hundred percent. No, that's hundred percent. Yeah, my kid. That's why like, the, the games that my kids make up. It's just like, wait, what's the rules in this game? They just make it, but it's like, ah, play with me, play with me, play with me, right? And so, like, you're right. That's the stuff that they're gonna remember, and that's the stuff that really, you know, that it, it just it just blesses them, and it's worth more than buying them a big bowl of ice cream, <laughs> well, or a big piece of junk from yeah. the. Target or yeah. something that they say they want, but then yeah, yeah. in the closet yeah. ten, 10 days later and they're waiting exactly. for, something for something else. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so let's maybe take a little bit of a moment to when not having a dad for most of your life that you can remember, what was it like when you became mm-hmm. a dad and especially a father to sons like that? What was that process like? Was that scary or were you confident and no. you were just stepping into it? Or is there like a, a growth that you had to go through to kind of become that no it was it was a scary and it wasn't that hard transition for two reasons one before i had kids i mean years before i had kids you know i was a youth pastor at my church and so um this i was still in the navy at the same time in the facilities and uh so there were a bunch of kids who became like my kids and a lot of them didn't have dads because the church was in an inner city you know in the african-american in the, in the city area and a lot of the kids didn't have dads and so and their dads, they had dads, but their dads weren't in their lives. lives. And so, you know, I was just, I kind of became their dads, you know? So like, got to the point where like, I know there were two families in particular. One um, woman, she had three sons. One of the sons would get in trouble at school. She would call me up and say, so-and-so got in trouble. You need to come talk to him. Well, here he is, talk to him. I'm tired of dealing with him. Uh, and then another mother, same thing. You know, her son would get in trouble. And, 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 you know, she would put me, put me on the phone with her. So I had a lot of time, I had a lot of preparation kind of playing that um, to, a, to a large group of about 15 kids, <laughs> you know, or a certain body time. And I made mistakes, you know, but um, I really uh, began to learn what it meant to, uh, to, to just some principles as it relates to being a father, kind of what you spoke to earlier about being present. You know, I found like, you know, being a youth pastor, you know, part of my job was to share the Bible with the kids, right? But one thing that I learned early on was that the way you connect with young people, well, I think in my opinion, all people, but specifically young people is is to, you know, pull them outside of the church building and just do something with them. Mm-hmm. And I would pull these kids out of the inner city and we would go to like upscale restaurants, like upscale restaurants that they would never be able to afford to go. Their parents could never afford to take them to. I'd be like, hey, here's a restaurant. Here's a fork that you eat your salad with. Here's a fork that you eat your meal with. And they would just be amazed. I would take them to the movie theaters. I would take them to Dave and Buster's. I would take, and these kids would just, they felt like, man, like this dude cares about me. Like he's spending time with me outside of the church. And he's, you know, he's there for me if my mother calls. And that meant so much to those kids. So I say that to say, you know, that helped me a lot. Uh, uh, so when I became a father, I kind of had some principles. And then another thing that helped me tremendously was, you know, just being a SEAL, you know, you know, being a SEAL, you're trained, you have to learn how to adapt really, really fast. And that's something that, you know, they kind of beat into you in, in butts, you know, SEAL training where, you know, if you can't adapt to a new evolution, if you can't adapt to a standard or, you know, a wave smashing in your face right away, 
you're not going to make it through this program. And so, you know, that's the thing about the SEAL and, and the cool thing about the SEAL teams over the course of the, since the SEAL teams were created in, 62, in 1962, we've always been able to adapt, you know, when Vietnam, when we, SEALs were created out of UDT, you know, so the UDT were the original SEALs, you know, so, you know, when, when uh, John JFK was like, hey, we need a unit that can go to Vietnam and conduct guerrilla warfare and go behind enemy lines and get after it, Hey, let's use these UDT guys, call them SEALs. And, and, and so UDT adapted into the SEALs. And then, you know, in the 80s when, when you know, terrorism began to, you know, emerge, you know, the SEAL teams became a counterterrorism unit, right? And then, you know, we became a unit that would train other forces in the 90s and do certain things. And then after 9-11 kicked off, that we became guys, you know, that our mission set continued to change, and continued to change. And I talk a little bit about, about what I did in, in the book as related to intelligence stuff, but we began to adapt and some guys began to adapt and change into that. And, it, and so the, the SEAL teams have always been a community that's been able to evolve and adapt to whatever situation, good or bad. And um, and again, that goes back to buds. We have to be able to adapt and learn really, really fast. So, and my wife, you know, she tells me all the time, right, you just know how to adapt to certain things, no matter how bad they are. And uh, goes back to my training. And so when I had this kid, when my son was born, and the doctor said, here's your baby, it was just like, I'm a dad now. <laughs> like, let's go, you know what I mean? Like, so... Um, you were so, used yeah. to life changing suddenly and it wasn't something because oh, yeah. a lot of people that have a kind of a normal life for years at a time, that's a very big sudden change and they aren't yeah. used to that sudden change at all. Yeah. 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 No, a hundred percent. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm used to sudden change. I mean, yeah. I'm, and it's, it's part of being in the film and TV industry because things are always changing. Like one day you're working on a movie set, set next day you might be working on a TV show. One day you might work on one producer. The next day you work with another producer, you know, so it's like, it's just my life. It's just my life. And it's every day you wake up and you, you go with that same mindset that it'll all work out and you'll figure it out and you'll yeah. get through it. Yep. Yep. And, and I, I go through life with the mindset, you know, something bad is going to happen. It's just like, and you know, and, and I just got, I'm just trying to be prepared for it. You know, I have a saying, you know, it was, well, it's not my saying, but it's a saying that I heard years ago and I've kind of, kind of taken it, upon myself and, and it's really rooted in who I am today, but it's, you know, prepare for peace time, train at peace time so you're ready for war, right? Because um, it's not a question of if the war is going to happen, the question is when is the war going to happen? And when I say war, I'm speaking figuratively. And so, you know, I'm always trying to prepare in different ways. And that's why people ask this whole coronavirus thing has not been, it's like business as usual. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. is. Life know? is changing. That's um, what happens every day. Life is, yeah, because, you know, I've gone through a lot of hard things and, you know, and but I prepared for this time. Like, look at the, the gym. Like, I built up my, my, my garage gym. Even though I went to a gym every day, you know, for the most part, I built up my garage gym years before coronavirus. So gyms closed down, boom, I prepared in peacetime, I'm ready for the war. I just work out of my garage, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I, I set myself up with certain jobs and uh, and certain things financially. Coronavirus comes, hey, I'm not skipping it. All our bills are paid. We're not working. My assistant is still working, getting his paycheck, you know, on time. So it's like, I've, I things have always taught me, you know, just be prepared, always be preparing, preparing, preparing. So if something happens, you know, you, you, you're ready to deal with it. And so, you know, 
the coronavirus thing hasn't been, my wife is a doctor, it hasn't been something that's been tripping her out. You know, she's just like, all right, this is as usual. Let me go to work every Wednesday and Thursday as I usually did. And, and you know, the Fridays I usually do. And then, you know, I'll just do, you know, just be more careful. You know, how I see patients, you know? And so, you know, preparing peace time so you're ready for the war. I like that. There was a guy I just had in the podcast. He describes it as be ready for the pop quizzes. Because everybody can prepare for the test, but no one really prepares for the pop quizzes. And it's the idea that most people don't have more than $500 to handle an expense. And now this happens and like pop quizzes are going to happen. It's, it's pretty much a certainty. And I like what you said there about always adapting. And I'm sure you hanging out with Marines on Camp Pendleton, like part of the Marine Corps is improvise, adapt and overcome. So like that adaptation, like my brain quickly can solve a problem with a lot of random information because that's just what you have to do under pressure. You just got to figure it out. Like you don't have any other way to do it. And that's fatherhood. Like there's no freaking manual. There's nothing all your day. You just figure it out and take what you've got and you try to make the best out of what you got as well. Yeah, absolutely. When you, the question that I really like asking, I'm interested in what your perspective would be on it. If you could go back to, let's say, the Remy right before joining the Navy. So you've decided to go to the Navy and you're getting ready to go. You've gotten your approval from the, from the judges. Everything is cleared. If you could give yourself a sticky note piece of paper of advice, but it only can fit on a sticky note piece of paper. What would you kind of like wish you did more of or something that you wish you would have known way back then before your life got started? Nothing. 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 I was thinking, I was thinking, I was trying to predict what your answer would be. And the only one I could come to question was like, it'll all work out. Like that was probably the only thing that you could, cause you, 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 you never know. And it's a lot of, when you're young, you're like, you really, you're up to the, the gamble of life. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Because regardless of, uh, uh, what I said to myself, I know that for me before I went to the Navy, when I listened. (laughs) I've heard that before. Like most people could send themselves this advice and it'd go right in the track. Yeah. And then, uh, and then another reason why is because, you know, I like to pop, I like the pop quizzes as you eloquently put it, because when I, all of the, all of the values that I've had, I've had in life is, have been such a blessing uh, because I've gained such great lessons out of them. And I wouldn't want to give myself the answer to any test, even if it was a small test at that age, um, because I would cheat myself out of that failure. And, you know, by cheating myself out of failure, I'm not going to learn what I needed to learn in order to get me to where I need to be now. And so that's why I want to say anything. There was uh, Ryan Mickler. I don't know if you know who he is, but he, he, yeah, 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 yeah. he answered that question. He was like, I would have told myself to take more risks. And I would say you probably took that advice before you knew it was good advice because you were consistently yeah. always leveling up and taking massive risks, like even your health. <laughs> You were gambling in Vegas every day. You were <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, like even that's, when you were jumping out of the airplane, I was like, there's no way he jumped with that hurt ankle. And then you, yeah, yeah. And you got through it. I'm like, this guy is just nuts. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess buddy. I, yeah. I'm, I'm always betting on me. <laughs> I'm always betting the house on me. And sometimes I lose. A lot of times I lose, but Hey, but it's funny as I got older. Um, I've just learned not to, my time has become so much more valuable, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially now that I have kids. So it's like, I can't gamble as much as I used to just because of my time. I'm just going to be like this guy. I was having a meeting with a producer yesterday. It was like, so do you want to, do you want to write this project uh, on, on spec? 
and when we call in, in Hollywood, when you call write a project on spec and do speculation, it's like you're speculating that this might sell. And it's just like, no, no, I'm not going to take hours, days to write something that may not. Yeah, at this time, it's family currency. It's your exactly. dad currency you're trading. Exactly, with. exactly. So if you want me to write it, then you need to pony up the money to pay me. To do yeah, it. put some food on my table for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do work for you that you're going to benefit off of tremendously um, if a paycheck gets cut, but you're not putting sweat equity out. So there's one last area I want to dive into. And I think it was kind of like your, where you kind of had like a before and after moment when you were doing those swim tests and you really mm-hmm. had to step into that extreme ownership of your life to quote Jocko there. But what was that moment for you like when you really had to be self-accountable for yourself? Because that's something that not a lot of people truly step into and they can grow their, go their entire life without ever really being accountable for their own decisions. Which part? Which part? But when, you, when you didn't realize that you had all these opportunities to pass the swim test and you were just kind of like making excuses of why you didn't need to go to the pool and then oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you I failed that and then you I had to be like, yeah. but, but you had to grow through that and realize like I, that was my failure. Like you had to accept oh, yeah, the responsibility yeah, yeah. of that. That's something like yeah. a big moment for you when you realized that I wasn't really putting everything I had into it. Yeah, yeah no, that, yeah, that was a, that was a, yeah, that was uh right before I got kicked out of steel training the first time, you know, uh, well, the only time I only got kicked out of training once, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like after I got kicked out of training, um, yeah, that's when I really look back on my life and I, re- I you know, I did the self-examination and realized that, the reason why I got kicked out was not, it wasn't anybody's fault, but it was my fault. And, you know, that's the first, that's the first thing to, that's the first step to um, getting over a failure and learning your lesson from the failure. And, and, and that first step is, is, you know, admitting that it's nobody's fault, but yours, you know, taking responsibility. And once you take responsibility for that failure, then you can, you know, honestly move forward and begin to learn. And so, yeah, that was the first, and that, and that was key. That was, that was huge for because once I took responsibility, then I realized, okay, it's my fault. Okay, now I know that it's my fault. How do I fix this fault so I don't make that mistake again? Instead of, it's not my fault. So how can that person, uh, you know, fix themselves so this doesn't happen to me again, right? Because if yep. you're blaming somebody else, then you're not going to be able to find a lesson. But if you're blaming yourself, then you're going to be able to say, okay, look back and say, what did I do wrong to get me to where I'm at now? And now fix it. So, yeah, that was huge for me. And there's something like, especially in 2020, self-accountability and self-ownership is not something that American society does really well. And it, mm-hmm. it's something as a father, you have to recognize that if your kids don't turn out or your daughter brings home someone bad, that's really comes back to a lot on you. Like you missed some of the key points and raising your kids and yeah. that's, you have to accept responsibility. It's not your daughter's fault. It's how yeah. you brought yourself into her life. And that's a big moment where so much and even through coronavirus my kind of like one of my biggest lessons is i've reflected deeper on what i have control over and what i don't mm-hmm. and then truly taking extreme ownership of that what i can control that 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 part is something that we don't often look towards but like for you when you like you were running before and like achieving great things and you wanted to go somewhere but after that man you were an all-out sprint like a like an olympic type marathon sprint to exactly where you wanted to be in life. That was your yeah. moment where there wasn't no excuses. I'm going to yeah. put in every ounce of work to get where I want. 
and I'm not where I want because of my own actions, not someone else's. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's interesting how brilliant the Navy SEAL uh, instructors are because of how finely tuned they are to that bullshit that, that, that comes up during training. Like, yeah, yeah. they're finally they sensitive see, to it. Yeah, they see it straight yeah, through. They right? see hundreds, yeah, they see hundreds of guys, you know, if not a thousand plus guys every year. <laughs> so they're just like, you know, they, we've seen this game, we've seen this type of person a hundred times. So they, they know, they know the game. Yeah. And then, and then they, what they going through still training too. So again, they know the games because they've been there. You know, they know the. <laughs> yeah, it's not the first time you think you're going to be like outsmart the instructors, but like they have a sixth yeah. sense for bullshit on this case. Yeah, and yeah. and that's really where you you had to dig deep. And once you dug deep, I mean, you probably would have been you would have been missing out on a huge portion of who you were if you somehow got through the yeah. system in that first version yeah. of Remy. Like the oh, yeah. second version of Remy, like that seal that came out is probably 10 times stronger than oh, yeah. if you would have got through the first time without that hard failure. Yeah. I'd probably kill myself from pride. Like pride <laughs> would have really, if I became a seal that first time it would have been a bad situation. And you it's going that, back yeah. to how all your life has happened yeah. for you instead of to you. Yeah. 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 I had too much power, too much power. And, and uh, with no humility is a dangerous combination for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have really loved this interview. To wrap up, I'd like to ask you one question. If you could gift dads one piece of wisdom that you love being about a dad or that you really stepped into or that you really appreciate if someone gave you a piece of advice, what's a piece of advice you want to leave for military dads as a parting gift? You know, I would just say don't, uh, and this is a lesson that I just learned uh, uh, in the past few weeks with this whole coronavirus thing is, you know, don't rely on the education system whether private or public school. And I say that because my kids go to great private school. Um, and, you know, my son, my oldest son, you know, he struggled, you know, um, for most of the year uh, in school this year. And, uh, uh, you know, the standards are, are probably a bit higher than the public school standards, but still, you know, like struggling and struggling. And at the end of the day, that can affect his, his kind of self-confidence moving forward. And, and, you know, and, and other things. And, and uh, so, you know, one of the areas he struggled in, one of the main areas he struggled in was reading and writing. And uh, uh, I'm a writer. The irony <laughs> and, uh, there doesn't escape me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a writer. And so, you know, my wife, you know, with this whole coronavirus, thing, I'm like, this is, he's not going to struggle. So what I started doing with my son was I started teaching him how to read. And, and, you know, and he's reading now. In the two weeks that I started working with him, he's reading now. Um, and I was just like, dang, I wish, why didn't I do this months ago? You know, why didn't I do this? And I know why I didn't, because I was just like, oh, I'm paying for this private school. He's going to private school. He'll get it there. But the thing about private school or public school, you, you have at the, mat, at the most two teachers in the classroom and Minimum, maybe 15 students, you know, or I don't know, 15 students, and then it goes up from there. Um, and so those two, it's impossible for those two teachers to give all the attention to one student, you know? And, but when you're home, you know, is you're able to give them that attention. And so in this time of having to homeschool our kids, you know, our oldest son, he's, his confidence has grown as a 
relates to school. He's not whining about school and he's learning and he's getting better. And um, so the biggest lesson that I can give to veteran dads, all dads right now is, man, like take advantage of this time um, with your kids. You know what I mean by that is this coronavirus thing. Your kid's not going to school. Take advantage of this time and like you get in the books with them. If they're struggling with math, like help them with the math. Like just, just pour into them. Even if it's just 30 minutes a day, like take that time to really help them advance. Like they're your responsibility. You know what I mean? If they fail school, you're not going to be able to say, well, it's the school's fault. No, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. Like mold them into the people that you want them to be. And, you know, again, that was my fault. I wasn't doing that. I was relying on the school system. And I will never do that again for the rest of all our kids. Like I will be with them. Hey, you got your school done? Let's do something extra. Are you, what are you struggling with? Let's work on that so that you can get better. And, uh, man, like if I, if I started doing what I have been doing in the last two weeks as it relates to reading with my son, when he first started the school year, he would be like way ahead, right? So yeah. that's the thing. Do you know all the education. Do you feel like homeschooling is now getting closer to your heart of like completely taking ownership? Yeah, me and my wife talked about it. Yeah, yeah, me and my wife talked about that. And I was just like, I can't, I can't see sending my kids back to school. I just can't because, you know, uh, with everybody learns differently, but I'm starting to see that my son, you know, he thrives when somebody is there, you know, when he has that one-on-one. And, and you know, I'm, 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 me and my wife talk, like, I don't even want to send him back to private school. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather be able to, you know, buy a curriculum and, you know, we work out the times, maybe we hire, like, a teacher to take over, like, you know, two days of the week or three days of the week to give us a break. But I think that the way to go is to homeschool. And I could definitely, you've definitely engineered your life in a way that you can have time, location, and family freedom and money freedom to really like you can, you don't have to be where you're at in your home to do your work and you can teach your kids anywhere in the country. Like you can literally, and I've always liked the idea that homeschooling is less about maybe the curriculum, but it's more about like letting learning happen by going to a museum or going outside and looking at ants or like letting their curiosity be the guidance for where they learn or what they find. And I've been hanging out with a lot of homeschooling networks as, as the world changes now. And a lot of them, yeah. have, like, they, the kids will eventually figure out and get ready. They'll want to read when they're ready. And you just kind of coach them through their curiosity. And if they like yeah. doing something, then you make sure they have a chance to do that thing and figure out who they are. And, like, that part is something that is really interesting to me because it's something that I desire. And you've already kind of got your life that way where you could kind of create that life where it's not yeah. so much about, like, the curriculum. It's more about, like, how do we engineer our life to make sure that our life is the lessons in itself? Yeah. And I could Absolutely. definitely see, I don't know if you got it in your heart, but I could definitely see you writing a children's book, very similar to what Jocko did. Cause yeah, I was yeah. to my daughter and they've really, she loved those books and your story yeah. or even like taking the lesson with your son and the reading and how a Navy seal helped in a, a, his, his son learn how to read. Like, yeah. That is like your ability to create a story around that and use it as some type of lesson to help kids get through those early years like Jocko did. 
that would be an amazing yeah. book. I don't know if that's ever been on your heart, but it, it, uh, no, I thought about doing a children's book. I just haven't really focused in on a, on the on the topic, but that's a good one. That's a good place to start. The R and D lab is happening right behind you as you homeschool. Your there you kids go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you, you've got the living laboratory to try to figure out what the right recipe for that book might be. Absolutely. I just got to get a great illustrator to illustrate the cards. Yeah. Well, I really appreciated this interview, Remy, and I, I still kind of feel like a little uh, a little kid in a candy store because I'm just reading your book and getting this interview and being able to ask your questions is just a, a, a crazy moment. And I know you're just a regular guy, and that's what you realize when you talk to dads. It's just we're all dads. We're all figuring it out, and we're all we have that common yeah. thread. And that's what I love about you is how you've kind of just grown through your life. So I just really want to appreciate you taking your time out of your day and sharing your wisdom with us on the podcast and being a part of us for this time. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been an honor and a blessing, brother. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That interview was amazing. Getting ready to get this episode out to you guys, I was just reminded of the pure gold that Remy gave us. And I hope that you got out a lot out of that episode because that episode literally changed my life and his book changed my life. I read that just a few weeks prior to coronavirus hitting and that book really enabled me to understand that transformation begins with yourself. Transformation begins with extreme accountability, to quote Jocko. And that extreme accountability can really move your life forward. And that transformation, that objective has really inspired me to start 75 Hard. And at the time of this recording, today is day 54. And I'm excited on my way to day 75, where I get to step into a version of myself that I've never really met before, because that extreme amount of accountability has not been with me in a long time, not since the Marine Corps days. And I would say at this point, I am operating on a level higher than I was in the Marine Corps. So that just excites me. But that book, Transformed, really gave me the courage that anything I want in my life is possible. I just need to take the steps to get it, and that can happen. Some of the things I want to make sure that you got out of that episode is 
putting in the work to achieve your dreams. That was something that Remy talked about a lot. Talk about being open to new opportunities. Don't get so stuck on the path that you're on. That was so important for that Remy pointed out there. Finding your identity after serving. It's something that a lot of veterans face. And if you want to have a conversation about having that issue or if you're feeling that way or if you're getting ready to transition, go ahead and reach out to me because I would love to have a conversation. That's something I love helping reflect back that value. Go to militaryveterandad.com forward slash call and you can go ahead and schedule a quick call with me and I'd love to get to know you, what kind of problems you're facing and how we can help transform your life on the other side of transition. Being able to adapt and learn quickly, that was something I really took away from Remy is he has been training his entire life for adapting and overcoming the obstacles that he has in his life. And even when coronavirus hit, he was already prepared. It didn't catch him off guard because he did prepare in peacetime and he was training for war the entire time. That was a big thesis that I took away from this episode. And I hope that you took it away from as well. And again, If you want to have a phone call, I'd love to get to know you and help you understand how a transformation is within you. Go to militaryveterandad.com forward slash call, and you can go ahead and book some time with me. Don't forget that we also launched freedadcourse.com where I launched five simple lessons, and they're 10-minute audio lessons in each one, and those lessons on how to create more friends in your life. And I want to leave you with one last quote. I say it often if you've been listening to the podcast. The amount of opportunity you have in your life is directly proportional to the amount of strangers you talk to daily. So go check out freedadcourse.com. Learn how to say hello and learn what the power of hello can do and how it can transform your world. And on the other side is the life that you've always waited for. Dads, signing off, and I'll talk to you again on Friday.